0: Morning, Liberty. Guess what today is? Sunday. Man, you guys are sharp. It is my 17th year anniversary with my wife. Yeah. 17 long and glorious years. Hey, what do you guys? Come on. You've heard of the three rings of of marriage, right? There's the engagement ring, the wedding ring, and the suffer ring. (laughs) Anyway, God has blessed us. He really has. And I've I've been very privileged and blessed and lucky, I use that word on purpose, to uh, be married to my wife. So, I love you, babe. All right. Uh, Genesis, chapter 1. As you're turning there, when uh, we come to the scriptures, God makes it pretty clear who he is and who we are. And when we think about our relationship to him, uh, many words come to mind, redeemed, justified, born again, he sanctified us. All these things describe what he has done for us. But there is something that comes before all those things and goes back to the creation itself. And theologians call it the Imago Dei, or in English, the image of God. And we see this in the first chapter of Genesis. We're going to start in verse 24. And God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things, and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth According to their kinds and the lives. Oh, sorry. Well, I'm reading the same verse again, man. All right. Verse 26. And God saw that it was good. 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day From all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is pure. We thank you that it is the infallible and errant word of God, that um, we can stand upon it, Lord, knowing that you have given it to us. It is your revelation to man about yourself so that we can truly know you, we can have a relationship with you, we can have a relationship with your son. It is in these words, uh, Lord, it is in your word that we find truth and that we find life. Lord, bless our time now. We ask you to continue to be with us. We love you. Amen. Two words I want to look at when we talk about uh, the Imago Dei. Uh, The first one is image. And the second one is likeness. They're both seen in verse 26. It says, God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. Now, interestingly enough, every English version, every, I should say every major English version, uses these two words. Why? Because these two words give the clearest understanding of what it means to be made in God's image. Both words overlap in their meaning, but the, the basic idea, when you kind of dig into it, is that it's an object that is similar to something else, and often representative of it. We get a, a picture of this uh, in First Samuel keep your finger in Genesis, but we get a picture of this in First Samuel chapter six, with an interesting story. In 1 Samuel 5, the Philistines end up capturing the ark, and and God basically strikes them with plagues and tumors, it says. And in verse 6, it says, The ark of the Lord was in the country of the Philistines seven months. And the Philistines called for the priests and the diviners and said, What shall we do with the ark of the Lord? Tell us with what we shall send it to its place. They said, If you send away the ark of the God of Israel, do not send it empty, but by all means return him a guilt offering. Then you will be healed, and it will be known to you why his hand does not turn away from you. And they said, What is the guilt offering that we shall return to him? They answered, Five golden tumors and five golden mice, according to the number of the Philistines. For the same plague was on all of you and on your lords. So you must make images of your tumors and images of your mice that ravage the land. And give glory to the God of Israel, perhaps he will lighten his hand from you and your gods and your land. So they were plagued with mice. They were plagued with tumors. And he said, and, and so they go to their own priests. Hey, we want to get rid of this. What are we supposed to do? They're basically like, we well, need to give the, the ark back. And if you're going to do it, it says in verse 5, make images of the tumors and the mice. It's kind of a little strange if you start thinking about it, the little gold tumors. <clears throat> but that's what, they, that's what their own priests told them to do. But that's that word image there. Uh, the gold mice and the gold tumors represented the actual tumors in mice, but they weren't the actual tumors or mice, right? They were similar to the tumors in mice, but again, they were not the actual tumors or mice. What, what have we done today when it comes to the image of God um, compared to God? Uh, I believe that what has happened that mankind has settled for less than God. And it has settled for the image and the likeness. And we see this come out and twisted in various ways, but always the focus is on man and not on God. So our society has this over-obsession with sex. Focus on the image and the likeness on man or woman. We have an over-obsession with health. What's the focus on? Again, it's on the body. It's on the image and likeness. And these things, in proper balance, are good and fine. Uh, but our society, has the pendulum has swung. Has swung. And so the focus is, is completely bent and twisted and out of joint. But we too are guilty. Because we partake in some of these same things, and sometimes we look more... Uh, like the culture than the culture itself, we're willing to take images and likenesses and turn them into our gods. Whether it's relationships, whether it's physical things, we are willing to let them take the rightful place of God. And the thing is, we think that what we are eating is a sweet honey, but it's gravel in the mouth. It might be sweet for a short season, but it always ends up gravel in the mouth. In the end, it is so unsatisfying. This ring on my finger—I don't actually take it off that often, but it does come off. Uh, on my left ring finger, uh, it symbolizes or it represents what? That I'm married, right? And when you see my ring, you don't—you don't visualize this like giant, awesome-looking ring, right? There's like uh, this represents this bigger ring in the sky—the sky ring. Right? No. You think, wow, he's married and has a wife and he's made a covenant with God. So when you hear the word image or representation, it it doesn't necessarily focus on the physical. Okay? So we're the we're the image of God. You guys are the image of God, right? But it's not like there's someone who looks just like you or a little bit better looking A lot better looking at (laughs) knowledge. Who's in the sky? Okay, the image does not focus on the physical physicality of it. It really focuses more. Well, it's more than I want to get into, but it focuses on our being and our essence. Okay, our soul, the characteristics that make us up, what distinguishes us from the rest of creation. So we are similar to God but we are not the exact same. There's a big difference between God saying, let us make man similar to us, as opposed to let us make man identical to us. Okay, most of us realize if we were made identical to God, we'd we'd be God. A good definition for us when we talk about the image of God is man is like God and represents God. We are like him, but we are not... Something occurs after creation, though, that distorts this image. Sin. The fall. Um, The question that people have discussed is, is the image so distorted because of sin and the fall that it's really not even there anymore? Right? Think about it for a second. I mean, the creation, God says he made us uh, in his image and likeness right before the fall. That's how he did it. Adam and Eve. So does sin distort that so much that there's really not even an image or likeness? That's what our society has pretty much done. It's watered down the image. It has corrupted it. It has defiled it. And we really need to redeem the image. Uh, Listen to this. Man being created in the image of God is so powerful and undeniable that sin itself does not undo the image. Sin itself does not undo the image. It can't. What God has made cannot be unmade. Sin mars the image, but the image remains. And we see this clearly in Genesis chapter 9, verse 1. And God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. What's God doing here? He's reiterating the creation mandate that he gave to Adam and Eve. Okay? They were the original... They had the mandate. God's reiterating it to really Noah and his sons. Why? Because now they're kind of the representatives of the human race. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. The fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every bird of the heavens, upon everything that creeps on the ground and all the fish of the sea. And to your hand they are delivered. Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. And as I gave you the green plants, I give you everything. But you shall not eat the flesh with its life, that is, its blood. And for your lifeblood, I will require a reckoning. From every beast, I will require it, and from man. From his fellow man, I will require a reckoning for the life of man. Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. And then here's the key word. It says for, or because. For God made man in his own image. So, he's telling Noah and his sons, be fruitful and multiply, reiterating what's called the creation mandate. And then he says, if someone kills someone else, guess what? He's going to be killed. Why? Because he is made in God's image. He's made in God's image. So, we see here that the image still remains. This verse and the one we originally read in Genesis 1 should effectively and decisively answer the abortion debate for the believer. If man, mankind, is made in the image of God before the fall and after the fall, if sin does not Mar it beyond recognition. If God acknowledges that man is still made in the image of God, then every single person, regardless of size or location, is the image. And we should not destroy that image. It is very, it is very straightforward. So our being created in the image of God, it has great significance Listen, being created in the image and likeness of God, it sets us apart from every other living creature. What did God make after he made man? Nothing. We are the pinnacle, the peak, the top, of his creation. He saved the best for last, so to speak. Look back in Genesis 1. After every day... God makes a pronouncement, essentially, on his creation and what he had done for that particular day. If you look in verse 18 at the end, in chapter 1, it says, And God saw that it was good. He says in verse 21, And God saw that it was good. Verse 25 at the end, And God saw that it was good. Every day after creation is this pronouncement. God looks over his creation. It says he sees it. He saw it. And he says, it is good. But what does he say on the sixth day? Look with me. And God, verse 31, saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. It was very good. So when man is created, it's not just good. It was very good. Now think about this. When God wanted to make a creature... More like himself than the rest of creation, he made you. He made you. It wasn't the starry expanse in the sky, the great ocean depths. It wasn't the beautiful mountaintops, some amazing flower, the greatest animal. That was you. You bear his mark like nothing else. Guess what that means? It means your life is precious. It's valuable, of infinite worth. And that's how we need to treat people, like the image bearers they are. You know, in the past week, uh, there was a five-day stretch where 700 refugees drowned off Greece in the Mediterranean. Did you guys know that? 68 people were shot in Chicago. 9,000 babies aborted in the U.S. And guess what dominated the news? A gorilla. The death of a gorilla. And sadly, some pulpits today will spend more time eulogizing the gorilla than talking about the value and preciousness of human life. We, as a society, have lost the value of human life. People are arguing um, about which life was more precious. And some people suggested, that let, let the kid die. I mean, what in the world? That is crazy. We need to redeem this image of God back. We need to take it back for what it is. Look at what James says. He makes mention of this same likeness in reference to us. James chapter 3. Okay. It's a long section, but it's a good section, so I'm going to read it. Starting in verse 1, James chapter 3. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Did you you pick up that word, the likeness word, in verse 9? He's making his argument here, and he's really basing it on creation. On us being the image of God. And he's saying, how can you come on Sunday mornings and worship the Lord and then walk out and curse your brother or sister? Curse your neighbor? He's like, it it doesn't go together. Everyone has the image of God. Everyone. Um, imagine if I had this I'm not a, a, a car person, but imagine if I had a really cool car. But some of you are car people. I'm not even sure what a really cool car would be. Probably like a Corvette or Mustang or something like that. Okay. So, uh, Justice, uh, give me something better than that. What's a, a good car? Honda S2000. Okay. So I got this like Honda S2000 right, and it's all awesome and everything, and I'm showing it off, and maybe I'm nice and even let Justice drive it occasionally. Um, but then, like, I come and I have like this, this uh, like a picture of it, and I come up and I, I'm showing it to you, right? And I'm like, man, this this thing is horrible and it's ugly and I just I just hate it. it. Does that make sense? Like, so the actual thing, and then I have like an image, a representation, and I'm I'm all excited and talking about this great car. But then I show you a picture, and I'm totally trashing it. It doesn't go together. I mean, it's just, it, the illustration is, is silly. And that's James's point, that they can't go together. You can't say that you're praising the Lord and acting like you're all filled with the Spirit and then turn around and curse your brother. It's not possible. Okay? That's the word. That's not me. We need to be careful when we talk about our brothers and sisters in Christ. We need to be careful when we talk about anybody. Everyone has the image, okay? Everyone. The person who cut you off today, they're the image of God, okay? The person who always drives slow on this outer road when I'm coming to work every morning, (laughs) they're the image of God, okay? Your boss who treats you poorly? They're the image of God. Your coworker who you can't stand. they're the image of God. Your family members who you don't get so along well, don't get along well with. They're the image of God. The disabled person who can't fend for himself. They're the image of God. We need to redeem this image of God because it has been lost in our society today. And let me just say something. This is more of an interjection. But I've been looking for an opportunity to say it. I think that some of us are dealing with unbelief. We're dealing with unbelief. And I feel like I'm supposed to say these three words. Push past it. Push past it. Uh, sometimes unbelief can be more irrational than rational. It really can't. And you need to work through it, uh, but someone needs to hear that you need to push past it. And I mean, there's been times where I'm over here worshiping, and it's almost like I end up having like this like philosophical conversation with the Lord while I'm trying to worship, you know? And I'm like, really, I'm really distracted. It's not worship at all. And it's like, finally, the Lord was like, you know what? Like, if you want to have this little moment with me, that's like all fine and dandy. But like right now, it's time to worship. And you, you need to lift up your hands, you need to sing out with your voice and and, and push past whatever unbelief, not push it to the side, but push through it um, not to deny it, deal with it, but some of you it really is more irrational than rational. I encourage you to push past it think of here 's my prayer when i 'm dealing with unbelief it 's mark nine twenty four the father of the demon possessed man it, he The disciples can't deal with uh, the boy that's possessed. You know, Jesus comes on and and the father says, hey, if if you can. And Jesus is like, if I can. (laughs) Right? Some righteous indignation on the part of Jesus. And um, the father cries out, I believe. Help my unbelief. Those seem like two contradictory statements, but they're not. I believe. It might just be this tiny little bit of belief. But I believe, and Lord, help my unbelief. Okay, so we need to redeem the image of God. You know what we also need to do? We need to redeem time. And God redeemed the time, right? Six days work, one day off, a pattern for us. And here we are getting ready to go into the summer. Okay? He rested one day, not two months. So I encourage you, some of you, your time is freed up a little bit in the summer. That's awesome. But it's not like a two-month vacation for you. All right? Redeem the time. For some of you, you need to make sure you don't get buried in the busyness of summer. You get to summer, you oh, I got all this time, I got all this time. But what we do is we end up putting other things in to fill the time that we don't get to do during the regular part of the year. So um, take advantage of the summer. Take advantage of potentially for some of you what is some more free time. Read, pray, do your house projects, go on family excursions. But enter this summer, which we're pretty much in. uh, We're in it. And enter it where you're at right now, but come out doing better with the Lord. Okay? Come out doing better. Don't, don't tread water. Don't do status quo. Don't just try to make it through the summer. Um, use this time to grow. Use it to grow. Read. Pray. Do some family devotions. Quiet times. You need to be having them. Summer is not the time to go status quo. Redeem the summer. Redeem the time. We also need to be redeeming others for Christ. Yeah. Letting him use us to reach people. I was out running on um, what day was Wednesday, and I was on my 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 26th mile. I, oh, sorry, my second mile. <laughs> <clears throat> my second mile of three. <laughs> I was out running, and I don't know if the Lord's ever done this to you, but sometimes He just like I don't know, or just kind of like hits me with something, and it's like all of a sudden I felt like He like just I was like running along, listening to my little podcast. And he just, like, hit me um, out of nowhere, like, hey, you know what? You haven't been sharing with people recently, and that's not cool. And so I, like, I repented, and I was like, Lord, I'm sorry. Um, You know what? You're right. I'm like, please give me some opportunities to share, and I will, with your strength, be bold enough to take those opportunities. So keep running, running. So I'm done. So um, I'm I'm in my elders meeting, and I get a call from Andrea that the car had broken down. And she was stranded, so I'm like, okay. So I leave the elders' meeting, and we can't get the car to start. So I work close to the home, so I run her and, and Ethan home, and I come back, and so I'm like, I gotta call a tow truck. And you know, I was I was mad. I, I didn't handle it well at all. I was just frustrated, not having a good day at all. So I'm all mad, and and the Lord's trying to deal with me, and I'm like, nope, not right now, Lord. <laughs> and he like he like calls to my mind, hey, you know you just prayed today for opportunities to share and there's a tow truck driver coming and you're supposed to share with him. And so I'm like, did you really have to, you know, break my car down and (laughs) have me pay 85 bucks? You know, that's an expensive sharing opportunity. (laughs) So I was like, wow, okay. So, I mean, the auto shop is just like a couple miles away. So I'm like, man, I can't, I can't like beat around the bush with this guy. I can't even really try to build too much of a rapport with him because I'm just going (laughs) to boom, you know. Go in there with the gospel. so he gets there and um, gets the, the car situated. I, I'm in, in the tow truck with him, and I just kind of like jump into it, not knowing what to expect, sharing with him. and like and, and, and we engage for the entire time there, which was only like a five or ten minute um, ride. But we get to the parking lot um, of the car shop, and he just he stops on the tow truck, like in the middle of, of the lane. And, and he talks, and we talk for like ten minutes. I mean, his tow truck is just running, and we're talking. He's like, you know, I've been I've been thinking about this stuff a lot lately, and I just I have all these questions, and it seems like some things. It's like, are there really answers for it? I mean, just talking back and forth, talking back and forth, and I'm encouraging him. Look, you, you, those are great questions, and I can tell that you and you can tell uh, he's been wrestling with these things, and I'm like, I'm, uh, there are satisfying answers to those questions. And I'm willing. My wife is willing to meet with you and your wife. He's married, um, and we can we can talk about those things. And, I mean, we're we're talking back and forth. He gets out of the car. He's still talking to me. He's still talk, as he's unloading my car. We get done. It's starting to rain. I'm like, all right, Lord, if you want me to get like wet, wet, for Jesus, I'll get wet because it was like sprinkling. It turns in, it's not like a torrential downpour, but it was a downpour, and I'm out there, and I'm like, I'm just going If he's gonna talk with me, I'm gonna talk in the rain to this guy. And he's getting wet and I'm getting wet and we are there in the parking lot of this auto shop talking about Jesus. Alright? Jesus died for tow truck drivers. And and we have to be willing to tell the tow truck drivers about Jesus. And, and you guys have some tow truck drivers in your life that need to hear about Jesus. You have people that you come into contact with um, that God wants you to share with. Uh, you need to share with them. You need to share with them. Remember this. You are the redeemed. You're the redeemed. Okay, We're redeeming different things. That's what I'm talking about today. But But you've been redeemed. Look at Ephesians chapter 1. In verse 3 of Ephesians 1, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ, as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. God saw fit to redeem his image bearers. He redeemed you. Christ didn't die for animals. He died for us. And God redeemed man through Christ from the fall, from the curse of sin. That redemption is available to everyone here today. To every single person. The blood of Christ... Is available to you. What does that mean? It just means that he died on the cross. He rose from the grave. He had victory over death. And he offers you the life. That he has. It's for you. If you trust in him. If you turn away from your sins. He wants you. To be one of his. He won't force you to do it. He makes the offer to you. I'd encourage you, in light of what you've heard today, that you're the image bearer. There's no doubt you're created in his image. He wants you to be a part of his family. And that comes through trusting in Christ. I encourage you to do that today. Remember, friends, we want to redeem the image of God, and we want to redeem our time, and we want to redeem others. Time is running out. It's running out. And, um, you know, we can, we can do a whole lot of things in this world, but the one thing we can't do is we really can't manipulate time. We can't, we can't do that. All right? The second we're in right here, this moment, we will never be able to get it back. We can't hit pause. We can't go back to yesteryear. We can't do it. You just can't. And every person's time is going to come sooner than we'd like for many of us and sooner than we think. And we need to be prepared for it. If you don't have Christ, that's all the more reason to make the most of the opportunity right now to receive him. For those of us that do, we need to be serious about what Christ wants us doing. About redeeming the things in our lives and the people around us so that we are living the way he wants us. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you are so good to us, and that you love us so much, that you've lavished grace upon grace upon grace upon grace, God, and that we have the riches of Christ, because we're his. So, Father, we thank you for that. We thank you that you have redeemed us, that you've called us by name, that we're part of the family of God. Lord, use us to redeem others. Help us to be wise with our time, Lord. Help us to see others as you clearly want us to see them as your image bearers. We love you so much, Lord. You are the greatest of the great. And God, I ask For anyone here who doesn't know you, that you would have spoken to them today, you would touch their heart, touch their mind, touch their soul, and let them see themselves, and then let them see you, God, and let them see the difference, how vast it is that you are so good and you are so great, Lord. And that you call them, Lord, to know you, to believe in you, to trust you. So give them that faith, God, to do that. To have life everlasting. And for my brothers and sisters in Christ, Lord, give us just a special anointing of your spirit. Help us, Lord, to walk in the midst of the trials of life. Help us to know that you are the best um, and everything else isn't. That um, the cause of Christ will always be worth whatever sacrifice or suffering we might have to endure, God. So let us heed to that call. Shape us and mold us, Lord. Transform us. Sanctify us. Have your way with us. We love you. Amen.